Look at yourselves, pointing guns at your fellow man. Hatred is a cage that keeps us from soaring free. Yes, the Sixties may be dead and gone, and its spirit long since extinguished, but its ideals live on. Freedom, love, and peace. Bang. Welcome to Two Bad Neighbors. So, here we are. Groovy neighbors. <laughs> no? All right, all right. Let me, let me take it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, welcome to Two Groovy Neighbors. <laughs> oh, man. You're we got Granola Greg com- with us here yeah, today. Yeah, uh, your encyclopedic compendium of all things groovy, season one through ten. I'm Granola Greg here with Acid Allen. <laughs> You can say ass Allen. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> nah, man. Cool I'm keeping uh, it real groovy. We're being, we're being groovy. We're being hip. Yeah. I'm no being narcs hip. allowed. No narcs. Mm-mm. No narcs. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we can Talk tell that you're hippies. not a narc because your name's Acid Allen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should I say brown Acid Allen? Acid Allen would work as a hippie name as well as like a gangster name. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, like, totally. Or like a mobster. Like yeah. that's what I that's how I kill my uh people I want to kill. I, mean, Absolutely. I think it would work as With a street acid. name too. Yeah, sure. You know, Acid. Hey, do you know Acid yeah. Allen? Well, I mean there's Acid Burn, mm. who we all remember from the movie Hackers. Of course. <laughs> no. No. Do you remember Hackers? I don't, and I don't have. You ever seen Hackers? Uh, I think you should watch Hackers. You should watch Hackers if you haven't. If you don't remember Hackers, (laughs) then I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe you've watched it. I think I might have seen clips of it, but you haven't seen it. What movie? What year did that come out? Nineteen ninety-six. Ninety-five. So close. Ninety-five. Nice. So it heavily features the music of of Prodigy. Is that? Is that? I think it does actually. I bet it does. (laughs) Not even joking. I bet it does. Um, Let me see here because I want to remember all these uh, hacker names because they're great. Uh, Acid Burn is the only one I remember <laughs> off the top of my head, and that is Angelina Jolie's character name. By oh, really? Yep. Awesome. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, Johnny Lee Miller, who you may know as uh, uh, dude from Sherlock. Now. Of course. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Sherlock himself. Elementary. Uh, Amazon right, Prime's yes. biggest show. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, Zero Cool is his uh, hacker name, but also uh, I believe he changes it at one point to Crash Override, which is a better one. I think these all sound. Like bad Jaeger names, yeah. For Pacific Rim, that's kind of. I mean, that's kind of the evolution, right? You start as hackers and you become Jaeger Jaeger uh, pilots. pilots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matthew Lillard plays uh, serial killer. Serial but, with a C. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got it. Uh, you got Lord Nikon. I don't know. Maybe takes pictures a lot. There's the Phantom Freak, spelt with a PH. Oh yeah. Uh, the Plague, played by Fisher Stevens, of course, who's the villain. Uh, and that's all it has listed here, but I'm sure there's more that pop up in the movie. The movie's fucking bananas. Cypher? Uh, Cypher? Is that one? I didn't see one, but... Apoch? Uh, well, yeah, I guess Mouse and... Switch. Switch, Switch and, and Trinity and Neo. <laughs> you know, actual cool hacker names? <laughs> what the heck is Phantom Freak with a PH? <laughs> yeah, the Wachowskis saw hackers and were like, we could do better. <laughs> we could do better. We could do better. And they were right. And they, they were, were right. right. Uh, the Matrix uh, changed everything. That's right. Fourth one's coming. I'm excited. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have nothing but high hopes. <laughs> I am sure most people are going to hate it. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I think that's, that's going to happen. I think I'm going to go see it, hopefully in a theater, and uh, high out of my mind. Yeah. And I'm going to have the best time in, yeah. the, in the world. Oh, yeah. This is how you need to watch 
the Wachowski movies. Yes. Oh, speaking of, uh, I've been meaning to rewatch Speed Racer. Hell yeah. Um, I haven't yet, but I did watch a Movies with Mikey video essay on it, and uh, it's that movie rules. That Speed Racer rocks. It's so fucking good, and so it was so. And so the this essay, I, and I'll plug. I've plugged him a bunch, but Movies with Mikey is a great video essayist on YouTube. Uh, the essay talks about how the movie came out in two thousand eight, the same year as Iron Man, and how oh. it was this weird like. Uh, sliding doors situation in in our culture about how like of the t- of those two movies, if Iron Man didn't take off, like comes it did, out the and, same month yeah, as Iron Man, yeah, like two weeks apart or something. Yeah. Whoa! If Speed Racer had been the one that took off, our like movie like the movie landscape would be so different because that I do believe Speed Racer was so insanely ahead of its time, uh, and so it wasn't appreciated at the time, but. If you watch it now, you're like, wow, look at all the weird, wild, interesting things they're doing with this medium, with the medium of film. And and it was an evolution of of the medium that I think should have been caught, should have caught on more uh, than it did. But instead it was uh, Iron Man. And so it's like, well, superheroes everywhere now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so the Wachowskis are kind of like banished to raising their own money. Yeah. yeah. And doing and then, yeah, because even even their projects post uh, uh, Speed Racer are still i think really interesting yeah like, totally. crazy evolutions of the genre nobody um, makes movies like them yeah it's yeah they do some crazy stuff they they take some pretty big swings we were actually talking about cloud atlas the other day and how much yeah. you ha- like you haven't seen it You've i haven't seen, seen it, it have you not seen cloud atlas oh, no that's man. the one i haven't seen it's worth watching it's, i really it's, enjoy it it's insane like yeah. it's it's such a trip but it's i i think it's so fascinating yeah. i don't like it it would be on a lower tier of the wachowskis for me only because i think it's not quite uh, have we done enough? this before? Know, have we done this before? Have we talked like Wachowski's ranked? I don't know. Maybe. Have we ranked our Wachowski movie? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> mm. I can't remember if we yeah. have. Yeah. But I mean, Matrix number one. Yeah, Matrix oh, is uh, the number one. It's yeah. the number one Wachowski movie. Possibly followed but by I Speed think, Racer? I think Speed Racer's number two for me, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think Speed Racer and then Matrix Reloaded <laughs> for me. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. And then... <laughs> And then Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> oh my God! I, Jupiter Ascending is the one that I need to rewatch. Oh, I, love I was it. not high on it when we saw it, and we did it for the Cinepals. Yeah, that's right. So that's going to yeah. be my Amazing Spider-Man too, I think, where I'm going to look at it and be like, "Oh, I was I had such wrong takes about that." Yeah, yeah. You know? I remember a few. There's. Can I tell you? There's three. This is like tangent after tangent after tangent, <laughs> but whatever. Um, we're keeping it loose. It's groovy. This is a groovy Listen, episode. We're still in a pandemic, almost a year on. So we're we got a lot of things to say. If you don't enjoy hearing us talk about random things instead of just the Simpsons, our apologies. But we like to talk with each other, and this is yeah. how we can do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how we can do it legally. Yeah, face to face. Um, what was I gonna say? Right. Um. So, when I was watching, I completely lost it. Completely <laughs> lost it. Uh, we were Jupiter, Jupiter ascending, uh, ranking the Wachowskis. Cinepals. Oh, right. There's three episodes of the Cinepals that I remember vividly. One of them is us doing uh, Jupiter ascending uh-huh. um, and not liking it, and it being very a very short episode, considering all of. Uh, uh, of how actually good Jupiter Ascending is. Oh, God, the that. other one is the Amazing Spider-Man 2 episode because I've brought it up so many times and I can't find it anymore. Mm. And the third one is Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut. Oh. Because we talked about it for maybe 40 minutes, which was very weird for us. Yeah. And it was a three-hour movie. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, it's pretty good. You should see this version, yeah, not the theatrical version. Yeah. 
Period. And um, <laughs> if you like it, you do, and I, I think you will. The end. Yeah, I don't even remember recording that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think the shortest podcast we ever did was 20 minutes long and it was on the Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had nothing for that movie. I mean, it's it was I I actually I remember recording that one because it was uh, you know, on my kitchen table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on a phone, very similar to this yep, one. That's the one. And yeah, I remember just being like, it got to a point. I think actually that episode might have been one of the precursors to us realizing maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. It definitely <laughs> was. It definitely was. Where and I because th- I think not too long after that we did our Sam Simon episode, and yeah. that's what uh, was essentially our Tracy Ullman sh- uh, show that birthed The Simpsons. Uh, that episode birthed uh, Two Bad Neighbors. Yeah. Boom. So. Anyway. So it was relevant. All this was relevant. Yeah, all this it was, was to that uh, just history. The yeah. origins of two bad neighbors. <laughs> That's right. Well done. That's right. You're um, welcome. More like two groovy neighbors. <laughs> Get out. Matrix, <laughs> Speed Racer. Yeah. I think Bound might be my number. Yeah. Three. <laughs> that movie rules. Uh, and then probably Matrix Reloaded. Um, I feel like. Everything after everything below that are kind of on similar tier. Probably Jupiter Ascending again. I need to rewatch it, but probably Jupiter Ascending would come in next if I'm if I rewatch it and appreciate it. Uh, but then everything else, yeah, like V for Vendetta, Cloud Atlas, uh, Revolutions. Now, that's an interesting. Mm-hmm. They all kind of like sit in the same like bottom tier, but not like bad, but just like not my favorites. Right? Is um, V Wachowski's. for Vendetta considered now a Wachowski movie? Yeah, because they're not <laughs> credited directors. Are they not? No, it's Weird. James McTeague. What is oh. the credited director? Why? Be- I, because weird. he's directed the movie. <laughs> okay. Wait, they didn't direct what? it. What? No. Why did I always think that they directed? Yeah, because they I were supposed to. They're not credited as directors, guys. And <laughs> no, I believe they're you. they're credited. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not they're, they're, they're credited as writers on the film, okay. and I think over the years. Um, People have been giving them more and recognizing their authorship over that movie more and more and more. I see. Okay. Yeah. So they're the writers. That's why I kind of associate them with having. Yeah. James McTeague was their AD on the Matrix films, I think. Gotcha. Um, And he got the promotion. You know, he's like a Christian Rivers type when who did Mortal Engies. Right. And then uh, since went on to do The Raven. Yeah. Yeah. Big career. Huge, John Cusack, The Raven. Oh boy, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. He solves mysteries. Quoth the no. Raven, Nevermore. Meow, meow, meow. For James McTeague. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all Never he did? More films. Uh, I didn't look yeah, okay. deep enough. <laughs> I don't uh, care. And they also like were producers of Ninja Assassin, that movie starring uh, Korean right. pop sensation Rain. What's yes. that movie about? A Ninja Assassin. Oh. <laughs> He is right, an assassin. The title. <laughs> yeah, it's very gory, very bloody. Has some V for Vendetta shit in it. I want to, I, I want to create a movie and call it like, yeah, like Ninja Ninja Assassin or Ninja Terminator or one of those things, and it'd be like a legal drama. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what they call like, the oh, guy. Come on, it's a metaphor. Yeah. yeah. And people would Objection. Be like, I wanted a, an actual Ninja Assassin. Well, too bad, idiots. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, this is an episode of the Barley Buds. Oh yeah. Uh, we got ourselves a uh, bent stick, BS wit. It has a wizard on it. It has a wizard on it, so I brought one for Greg because he likes wizards. I do, I do. This one looks like a wizard, like the the picture that you have in your head of a wizard. Yeah, he's got is. a staff. 
uh, a bent stick, if you will. Yeah. Uh, he's got a long beard. I presume white um, or gray. Could be gray. Could be blue, blue for all we or know. brown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But those are the only options. <laughs> white, gray, blue, or brown. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> those are quite literally the only options. Yeah. <laughs> we all know wizard lore. <laughs> yeah. Those are the only options. They uh, have weird colors. <laughs> Weird colors. Weird. What if, uh, Greg? Yeah, what up? What if, like, uh, I don't know, James Tolkien Jr., who's who's his son? Christopher Tolkien. Chris, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what if he wrote a new Lord of the Rings book, like a book in the Lord sure, of the Rings yeah. universe, and introduced a new wizard? And it was like a red wizard. Would you be like, cool, or would you be like, blasphemy? Well, that's interesting because I'm he's dead now. And oh, Christopher oh, Tolkien. Yeah. Is, oh, sorry. Who's his son? Uh, I don't know. James. Who's his, who, who, yeah. Who, <laughs> it's James. Whoever Tolkien. the the line the lineage is. Probably Tol- John. Tolkien's. Probably John again. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like it's they're English. They only have like five <laughs> names. Yeah. <laughs> What's his full? What's James Randolph? John Ronald Raoul Tolkien. Right. That's what it is. Raoul. Ooh. Yeah, it's a sexy name. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like, because that that would have been that would have been an interesting thing, and I would almost argue that he should have done more of that in mm-hmm. his lifetime in an attempt to finish some of his father's stuff more, because a lot of the stuff that he that he did release, other than the Silmarillion, is very like. It's, it's very Piecemeal. incomplete. It's yeah. yeah, it's very annotated. It's very just like here are the notes that we managed to edit together and form something. Yeah. Uh, so like, uh, Baron and Luthien, the book is a very strange novel. In that like, there's only fifty or so pages of it that are actually like a novel, hmm. and the other like hundred and fifty pages are a bunch of notes about the work like a scholarly articles and like a, a very long poem, which is like the lay of Lethean, which is what Baron and Luthien's based on in his world. <laughs> uh, and then like, he does like the children of Hurin, which is also a very difficult read because it's just taking a chapter from the Silmarillion and expanding upon it. Right. And those are ones I can't really speak to whether or not he actually fleshed out the world more. But my well, and he wrote the Hobbit movies too. <laughs> Did he actually? No, absolutely not. I was, was uh, going to say I don't he think went he would to touch his those. grave swearing that no movie studio would get their grimy paws on the Silmarillion. <laughs> and he succeeded. <laughs> well, nobody got it in his lifetime. But isn't some of the stuff in the Hobbit from the Silmarillion? No, Silmarillion. No. Legally, no. It's from the appendixes of Return of the King. Okay, gotcha. Which is what they are apparently making an entire series based on. Yeah, that's still happening, eh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazon doing that? Yeah, Amazon Amazon Prime. Now, here's a thing that I think a lot of Tolkien fans would appreciate is a series based on the first stage of Middle-earth, which is the Silmarillion. Mm. Um, But it's never going to happen. No. Because of what I just said. Christopher Tolkien went he to his grave. A, a death warrant. Yeah, saying that never, is that thing ever, ever, <laughs> his death wish yeah. was that they don't, like, especially you know Jackson. I, mean? like, I know death warrant is a thing separately, but could you, like, sign a thing as a human and be like, after I die, no one's allowed to do this? Yes, it's called and a will. legal. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I like Death Horn better. That sounds yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a sounds like a seventies exploitation movie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I am in. Um, well that wasn't that, 
<laughs> that was an episode of Greg R.R. Tollcast. Uh, <laughs> Greg's coming the soon the on a podcast. much more regular basis. Uh, but we also have a guest today. We do. That we should introduce. Should we? It's been 20 minutes and we've been fine. I mean, yeah, you're right. All right. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't give a damn. Let's do this. <laughs> it's Mike Rolf, everybody. Mike's hey, back. It's me. <laughs> it's Mike. We like Mike. Uh, I mean, that's what one of the commenters said. They were like, oh, so so good to hear from this guy again. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate it a lot. Made well, my day. We here we get, are. We don't even here get that are. kind of fan mail. <laughs> Just leave it on the Yeah, no, there. it's usually directed to like Alan and the other one. <laughs> <laughs> that other guy. And often it's, uh, here's what you got wrong last yeah, time, you yeah. dorks. Yeah. Yeah. And we appreciate every single we correction and really omission. Uh, we uh, usually save them until the wrap up. Yeah, uh, we got one recently. But we did. Mm. Yeah, we'll save it. Yeah. So we know, we know we're wrong. We'll 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 correct it at the end of the season. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, hi, hi, hello, everyone. Welcome. Keeping it groovy. Keeping it groovy. Uh, so, uh, for, forgive me if I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> forgiveness granted. Thank you. Thank you for the preemptive forgiveness. Uh, isn't there a different hippie juice episode in later seasons? Oh, I wouldn't know. Groovy Grove? Doesn't that... Isn't that a thing? I thought that's what they were this time. Is that where they were this time? Yeah. Did I just miss it? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, yeah. we're talking about Doan in the Wind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I am uh, slowly losing my mind. This is the sixth episode of season 10. Written by Donna Carey, uh, directed by Mark Kirkland, with some scenes directed by Matthew Nastuk. I bet it's the trippy uh, stuff, the, maybe? The trippy stuff. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Uh, I couldn't find uh, that for sure, but it originally aired on November 15th, 1998. Still, still in the 90s, baby. Yep. It's the good stuff. And uh, for those keeping track, we will not be talking about The Simpsons post the millennium. That's right. We'll stay in the 90s yep. for this podcast. Forever. Forever. It's and the 90s ever. podcast, in a way. So, <laughs> yeah. what What do you think? What do you think, Mike? What do you, what, 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 what's, what's the, what's the, what's, what's happening? Who's the jigger to what? I, you know, there's, there's a lot to, to think about here. You know, the, the view of, of, uh, like drug culture and, and like what hippies mean. And, and also just like recently what I was thinking about as well is like, I, I don't know if like uh, just in general, the creators of Simpsons and Futurama have like a big old thing for for drinks and mm. drinking lots of things because, you know, you have like iconic drinks like Duff and Slurm and, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know. I was I was watching this episode. I kind of was reminded of one of my favorite episodes of Futurama, which is the Slurm episode because it's just so gross. Uh, <laughs> and I was say only one of those drinks comes out of a giant space worm's butt. <laughs> Try and guess which one. <laughs> I Duff. think you'll be um, <laughs> surprised. <laughs> you may be surprised. Uh, so yeah, it was interesting to see that. Um, and uh, uh, oh, to, to think about the episode, I mean, um, yeah, there's there's lots going on here. But uh, you brought up something like during the watch, which was uh, reefer madness, <laughs> and that sort of like like drugs uh, vibe. <laughs> And you know, I'm always like when I see stuff like that, I'm always kind of like, is this ironic or or is it is it does it believe that you know does it is it is it pushing sort of like a like an anti drug agenda? 
because I, I I don't know I, I I think drugs in general get sort of like a bad rap and like you know I I remember growing up <laughs> decriminalize everything. Um, well, I remember growing That's up as a kid. Did you guys watch the commercials on TV about those kids? Oh, def- of deflated on the couch. Yeah. Oh yeah, that yeah. one. There's yeah. also the the famous uh, Rachel Lee Cook one. What's this that? This is your brain. Oh yeah. This is your brain on drugs. Smash. Yeah. And and all the only thing I took from that commercial is, ooh, she cute. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, she's hot. She's oh, in she- a new movie. Is she? Yeah. Oh, she it's so a Netflix much. rom-com. <gasps> Called? Oh, that sounds like Up My Jam. Yeah. Up My Jam. It's, yeah, it's right <laughs> up your it's jam. It's all the way up my jam. Yeah. Are you the Slurm Queen? <laughs> uh, that's Yeah, what is it called? God, I don't know. You'll find it. It's on Netflix. <laughs> up My Alley. That's, that's the term, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the term. <laughs> I mixed Up My Alley yeah, I know what you jam. did. Right, I, just, I, was, I was solving the puzzle of my own brain just now. <laughs> Good job. You, you, <laughs> I'm glad you all solved it as I said it, but I did not. I was like, why the fuck did I say that? Um, anyway, <laughs> what's it called? Sorry. I don't know. I oh, said I don't know. But it's a Rachel Lee Cook Rachel Lee Just Cook. search okay. that name. She's my favorite. She was my biggest uh, Hollywood crush when I was young. Uh, thanks a lot to She's All That and Josie and the Pussycats. <sighs> yeah, Josie and, and then and then she kind of like faded away, like mm-hmm. didn't really work much after that. Yeah, right. Like, so Why? like Parker Posey too. <laughs> yeah. W- what? Well, Parker Posey sort of faded away, didn't she? What are you talking about? <laughs> after Josie and the Pussycats, like, what did she do after that? That was like immediately like she went to TV. I think. I think she, she went to TV? TV. She's she's in so much as that exact supporting character, <laughs> as the person who's like a just, villain, just like that villainous like supporting character. She's a major role in Superman Returns, which oh. was the highest grossing film, sixth highest grossing film of 2006. It's she's in a lot. She's in a oh, yeah, crazy she's in Scream amount. Three. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's. Oh, that's right. before Josie and the Pussycats. She, so. She's what? Uh, she's never yeah, really Scream Three was two thousand. Josie and Pussycats two thousand one. Oh. Uh, personal Velocity. Never heard of that one. She's in a Mighty Wind. Of course, she still does work with Christopher Guest. Yeah. Uh, so for your consideration as well. Uh, she was in Blade Trinity. There you go. Um, oh, yeah. Superman Returns, as mentioned. Uh, the Eye. Anyone know that one? The Eye. Nah. The Eye. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Break it down, Greg. But she got. The she was nominated I. as. Uh, she was nominated for best supporting actress at the Fright Meter Awards. Of course, hey, sure. I, so. I love the Fright Meters. <laughs> the FMs. You're yeah. you a big fan of the FMs. Big yeah. fan. It goes Rotten Tomatoes FMs. <laughs> uh, and there's of course the uh, Altitude Meter, uh, the AMs. <laughs> Uh, she was in. Uh, oh, she she. Wait, is this the same movie? No. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a 2011 movie called Inside Out, not the Pixar film. That's sure. right. That's right. But I saw it and I was like, wait, she was in Inside Out, and I clicked on it. I'm like, no, this this is a <laughs> well, let's see, uh, an American crime film uh, directed by Artie Mandelberg and features professional wrestler Triple H. Who's Michael, Michael Rapaport, Parker Posey, uh, Bruce Dern. Wow. Wow. Uh, let's so see. she did have a career. You're right. She's, she did. Yeah, she did. The WWE Studios produced this film. I just want to get that out there. Sure. Uh, Inside Out from 2011. <laughs> Not to be confused with Inside Out from Pixar. Or Outside In. Uh, correct. Let's talk anyway. about this uh, episode as we've been... Uh, <laughs> we're kind of doing that. Listen, Parker Posey... <laughs> Her name is Posey. That's a flower. Flower power. We're back on track. All great, right. Great. Parker Posey. Posey peyote. Oh. Like the peyote crop in yeah. the episode, which that seemed like a huge crop of peyote that they had. Now, here's a question for you both. Yeah. How long does peyote last? Have you ever done peyote? 
<laughs> this is not Narccast. No, I don't no. have a wire. I I am I've never done peyote. I'm curious if y'all have ever done it. No. No, I I did, you know, I did like a artist workshop once though where this guy, you know, sat across the table from me and told me he was fasting and I was like, "Why are you fasting? Like you should just eat so that you're, you know, well enough for this workshop that is very physical." Um or, and he was you know, like to to live your life. Yeah, you know, like- <laughs> so you don't die of, of starvation. Yeah. Um and he was like, "No, no, no, I have to eat only specific things because uh like a week after this workshop, I'm going to uh Somewhere in South America. I'm going to say Peru. Um, sure. sure. And he's like, I'm going to do peyote with my wife there. Wow. And I was like, rock on, man. And he kind of said it in hushed tones. But, you know, yeah. I, it's it's weird, too, that it gives it that he gives it that quality because like I, I whatever, like oh, yeah. just like you were saying earlier, I'm not a narc. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go from this <laughs> artist workshop to a police station. Like I, I think, uh, I, you know, this is I don't think a crazy opinion. I think most drugs should be. Uh, decriminalized and uh, regulated and uh, we should give more support to addicts and Absolutely. you know like I, I think the the whole war on drugs that started in the 80s uh, I guess probably didn't start but like was full force in the 80s with mm-hmm. Reagan I think mm-hmm. um, was it Reagan or was it HW Bush who kind of started that do you know you, the, you often know I think it was Reagan. Um, was it Reagan so Reagan up the ante um, bar, uh, was it Barbara Bush just say no Right. It's, it's, yes. it's like you can yeah, take H.W. Bush, Bush is often H- associated with it because yeah. you can take okay, H.W. Yeah. along with Reagan because he's basically just a, taking all of Reagan and pushing it further. Yeah. Um, right. And he's also a one term president. So it's like mm. whatever. And <laughs> zing. <laughs> <laughs> and the war on drugs really starts, I think, with Nixon. Mm. Yeah. As a lot of things do, because the whole idea was like, what are black people smoking? Right. right. Great. Right. So let's make that. What are or they? Even like uh, as an umbrella, but probably a part of that, like uh, impoverished people. Right. Like it's. Well, it was yeah. this. It was like, yeah. what are the hippies smoking? Right. Okay. And uh, like, what are what are impoverished people? And then of course it's the seventies. It's Nixon. They go out and just say, what are black people smoking? Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and they say, well, they're smoking weed, and so are the hippies. And it's like, great, let's make what? it illegal so yeah. we can put them in jail. Two birds with one stone. Yeah, and when they do that, uh, then they, you know, give them crack and make it illegal as well. Yeah, um, and, and it spirals it's, from there. And it just goes from there. They started it. Good work, seventies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look yeah. at the world you've created for us now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, uh so that's where that comes from, and I, I listen. I do like that the Simpsons is so, uh, for most of its run, especially in the '90s and what we're what we're covering on this show is so dead set on Homer being of that generation. Like he is the same, he is essentially the same birthday as my dad, my yeah, the same birth yeah, year, yeah. right? He's a child of the '60s, but not mature in the '60s. Right. He's that. Weird thing where he's like the tail end of the baby boomers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's the child of the flower children. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And I feel like a lot of his uh, like essence in the show is very boomer centric. Yeah. But like what you're saying, a lot of the like, I guess his actual ideals or his like uh, his 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 drive uh, comes from a more Gen X uh, situation because it's a his lot of place the in life. More Gen X. Yeah. yeah. His, his place. And he's also. Born in sixty something, yeah, not fifties, not forties, not, not yeah, not like very obvious specific boomer, yeah, yeah. And I I love that that drives 
what you were saying, a lot of what drives Homer is mm-hmm. is is that idea, and I love that his mom is this radical because we get to see some 60s iconography sometimes and it's always very interesting when they dip their foot back in that and i think that's what makes this episode not terribly boring Mm. but i still think this episode is quite boring so you don't like this episode (laughs) not really like i don't hate it but i think by the time i'm into it again is the is the trip when they right, yeah, when they yeah. do the big peyote trip because I like the animation I think it's a lot of what they do is fun because they haven't had that fun with animation for a really long time right. it, it feels like anyway yeah, yeah. Um, have like the pink elephants yeah them, and you got the the, the hammers from the wall and the Rolling Stones kisses yeah. and it's uh, it's a lot of fun iconography that is ironically seventies a lot of it yep. Um, late 70s uh but at the same time it's still fun to see it in the show and that's what breaks me up from my stupor essentially which was this whole second act where homer's being a hippie right i think is quite boring yeah i uh you know what i'm inclined to agree i think where the episode actually excels is is uh, sort of this weird tongue-in-cheek humor that it comes along every so often during the episode. Uh, and I'm speaking specifically of moments where, uh, you know, uh, uh, Homer's talking to his father about going to the hippie commune. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, oh, why don't we Why don't we go there? Uh, that Like, that would be a nice father-son trip. And Homer goes, wow, I can't wait to, like, hate my life and regret this. He's going to shoot himself in the head. I'm going to shoot myself yeah, in the sh- head. I'm going to go shoot myself for bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I love that joke. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great weird. joke. It's this like brutal honesty of like, oh god, I can't. I don't what have I done? Yeah, what have I done? I think this might be the best episode of the season so far. <laughs> Let's. I think you might be right, and I did not expect that. Yeah. Uh, I. Th- this is a low viewed episode for me, as I've mentioned many times. Most of season ten is, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of them, like even seeing the title, I'll, I'll immediately like flash to scenes or moments and I at least have a general idea of the structure of the episode. Uh, this one, I had no idea what was happening. The only thing I remembered before watching it today was that he reveals that his name is middle name is Jay behind the little, little plant. I remember that very, very vividly. Mm-hmm. And I remember him, there's being things with juice and hippies. That's it. Yeah. Literally as the third act started, I'm like, I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> I don't know where the story is going next. And that was exciting for me. Um, and I was worried that it would go somewhere bad. Uh, it goes weird. It's oh, very yeah. weird. But I didn't think it was bad. I actually really like the structure of this episode. Um, barring the very strange uh, badger plot, which I don't even remember what it is. It was Mr. Burns making right. a commercial That's to try and yep. recruit people who that were That segment from basically the beginning where Burns is like, time for lunch, and can't open a pickle jar, up to the point where Homer's like, I don't know my middle name, is not great. <laughs> it's nothing. It's Yeah, that's the thing. And I, f- I forgot it so easily. But I think once they get into uh, the actual plot, I actually really like this idea. Because I do think, as you, we were kind of touching on already, I like that Homer's mom is this hippie uh, radical that we have not encountered too much. Uh, you know, the last time we saw her was in Mother Simpson, and it's a very different kind of story because it's not focused on her time in the 70s. It's focused on her currently. Um, And I like the idea that Homer would 
theoretically slide into that mindset. I think that fits with his character really well. Um, and I kind of love that that's where the episode goes. And he's like, I want to be a hippie. And what works for me is he doesn't become jerk ass Homer in the process because that's a very easy road to go on where he's like, uh, I'm a hippie now. So, you know, fuck you cops and like shoves Wiggum or, you know, like, but he they does do that though. Stuff like that. But he does do that. Just not on the skill that you're talking about. Not Wait, with when like, is, when is he doing <laughs> Well, no, he doesn't, sorry. He doesn't shove people okay. in the street or anything like that, but no, but he still does similar things that, that are like that sort of dickish behavior. Like at the dinner table when he's like put his feet up and, and he's like telling right. March, like lose the bra and like, I mean, he's just embracing his values, I guess I, now at that point. But yeah, like, and I, 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 I like what you're saying. I, I, my counter is that it's not jerk ass Homer. Right. And I know that's like maybe like a very specific <laughs> definition I have in my brain of, right, right, of right. him, but uh, because he's not doing it with malice, right? Like he's not, right. he's not trying to be uh, like an asshole. Yeah. It's not like an abuse of like a new kind <laughs> yeah, of he's found like, authority. This, this is, it's, it's, it's the kind of like oafish, uh, uh, lazy, um, good heart, but like wants to, wants to do his own thing kind of side of Homer that comes out often. Um, and I think even something like, uh, you know, Marge, like, let's free the Springfield, too. Like, that's that's not jerk ass. That's just very, like, hippie culture. Yeah. And it's very Homer to be like, like, come on. Like, that's what they did in the 70s. You should, too, Marge. And she's like, please don't talk about my chest. Um, and he has a long history of doing that. Yeah. Of saying, take it off, Marge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so I like the whole second act. I... I, I I mostly agree, Greg, that it is fairly boring. Like, there's not too many laughs. There's not too much interesting done with it. And that's where the episode isn't, like, a top tier for me by any means. Um, it's a season... It's a good season a good 10. good season 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think the third act actually works really well for me because, uh, again, I like the, the, the story structure of he meets these hippies. They turn out to be not, like, full hippies, how Homer sees them, you know? Like... They're, they have production lines and they make profits and like what, whatever, uh, which I think also makes sense for in 1998, hippies in 98 would need to do that kind of thing. Uh, but they're doing it for the right reasons and they're, you know, they're donating their profits and that kind of thing. I, I love all that. Um, accidental mess up on the production line. It's not a purposeful thing. You know, he didn't mean to do it. In fact, I'd blame the, the hippies more than Homer because don't leave your machine running and leave. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. matter what, anything could have, like, like an animal could have got in there and, and fucked up your production line, you know? That's on you. It is in a barn. In my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but then him trying to solve the problem in Act 3 as well with finding the other crops and helping helping his new friends. And then turns out, oh, those were laced with peyote, so everyone's going <laughs> on drug trips now. All works really well for me. The weirdest part of the episode is the smash cut at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Because it, it's just such a strange choice. Because you could have that exact same ending and have a fade out of some kind. But the fact that they decided to do, like, Hibbert says, what, I'm a doctor, not a gardener. Couldn't you just take some of the leaves off so I can watch TV? What did I just, just say? say. <laughs> Boom. Immediately. Credits. Uh, and. It's, it was so strange for me. Like, it was so jarring. <laughs> it was one of the most jarring experiences I've had watching The Simpsons, I think. Yeah, I mean, there was an actual physical reaction from you. <laughs> it was. I was like, wait, that's the ending? Yeah, I uh, haven't felt anything like that in months. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then uh, you know, and it's got like the crazy like psychedelic uh, credits as well with uh, uh, Yola Tango doing doing the <laughs> doing the f- end credits theme. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> so, had no idea yeah, which is also weird um but yeah aside from that like just being jar- again i don't think it's like a bad choice or anything it's just really bizarre but aside from that like i really had a good time watching this episode and i didn't expect to so that's helpful for season 10 yeah it really is just going in with uh, the lowest expectations so low that they're uh, level with the floor yeah, you know, <laughs> and so that when when you manage when an episode manages to squeak over them, you're just like, I'm happy. Yeah, I feel good about it, and I I agree that this is good. It's a good season ten mm-hmm. episode, but for so much of it, I don't really have much to add, really, <laughs> except that the second act, I was just kind of like, <laughs> it was a snoozer. Yeah. But it really wakes you up in the third. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, yeah. the the animation in the in the trips uh, is really cool, and uh, I can't I can't say enough how much I like that this this long history in The Simpsons to find a way to make dreams or hallucinations or find excuses to make animation work for the show. Yes, that you know makes sense within their within their universe. Now they go further and further away from it and sometimes they forget to do it for years, but this is a good example of the good stuff. I also really uh appreciate that I feel yeah, like I feel this is a kind of a overall idea about the Simpsons in general, but the fact that they started out and continued for a long time as being down with the establishment right Mm -hmm. um and that's like hippie culture too so it's weird that they haven't really dived into this idea earlier really especially with homer's mom being such a hippie but that being said uh i also feel like it's around this time that they start to veer more towards becoming the establishment Mm -hmm. um and that's why i think i really appreciate this episode because it feels more uh i i think this episode could fit easily in uh the golden years it would not be a favorite in the golden years because there's a bunch of in the golden years that i don't really care for but i think it would fit fine in in that era because it doesn't feel like it's gotten away from itself it's got two celebrities voicing characters totally uh it's got like i said the the anti-establishment uh idea it's got homer trying his best which is always what i appreciate about him it's not you know him just being an asshole or even just uh you know doing things and succeeding very quickly, uh, which is another thing that starts to become more <laughs> apparent as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's him trying to do a nice thing and things going wrong versus you know tr- him trying to do things to better himself mm-hmm. uh, or to you know get money, whatever, get rich quick s- schemes. <laughs> I think this would fare better in Golden Age seasons. Yeah. Because I think you would have episodes before this and after this at least in like airing that would have more to do with other members of the family. Yeah. Whereas in this season it's all been Homer. It's That's true. it's it's felt like it's just been like for for a lot of it it's just been Homer 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 Homer. I know we've had Lord of the Dance and Bart the Mother. Mm-hmm. But 
there's which do focus on the kids more but which he's do still focus a big on the good. part of both well, yeah he, he's a big part of the first one not, he, not so much part of the mother he but. has a second he has like half of that episode yeah uh, lord of the dance yeah um <laughs> and you have like the wizard of evergreen terrace that's just all him all him yeah and the last episode that we did um god it's all running together. Camille was here. You remember Camille? <laughs> dish right? upon a star. When you dish upon a star, bad. That's all Homer. Yeah. All Homer. But again, and, and I think that's another thing. Just like the the dichotomy between the episode we just we did last week and the one we're doing this week, where again two celebrities, but in that one they're voicing themselves, and it's very much about them. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's two celebrities as secondary characters barely in the episode really yeah, truly voicing characters and I, I i just really appreciate that almost return to form in a sense immediately after a huge huge whiff for me you know you're 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 bringing me around to this in a way that i wish it was placed in season 9 yeah i wish it had a place like somewhere in between a bart and uh, a bart and a lisa episode or something you know, as far as like air date, so that you don't overdo the Homer factor. Yeah, which I think they're doing in this season. I think too, like the 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 fix to this episode, if if they're if if you will, uh, is to remove that shitty Badger plot and have this come up right away. It could literally be the opening scene. He's signing a form, and it's like, "What's your middle name?" I don't know. Let's go find out. You know, so you can have all that happen in Act One, and therefore, when he becomes hippie mode, it could be. The family all embracing this this uh, culture in in different ways, maybe you know. So you can have Bart and Lisa being like learning about uh, fuck the man and you know stuff like Your that. Your second mm-hmm. act can become a joke montage, a la PTA disbands. Yeah, and then have the third act still be the oh something went wrong. Now he has to make make do, and it does the drug trips and like I think that all works really well. But yeah, just have the family be a bigger part of Homer's transformation into hippie culture would be really interesting. It frustrates me that they don't do something like that because in the golden age, they totally could, and just by doing that, they would have made the second act pop more because they would have had to mine it for for more jokes. You right. would have had they they probably would have would have been like, well, there's not much story that we can tell. As far as this, as, as as far as this this episode, the story itself is going to wrap itself up in the third act. We need to fill this second act, and we got to make it funny. We got to make it jokes. Yeah, because there are some bits when when he convinces the hippies to go into town and spread the word or whatever. Um, that's that's ripe for exactly what you're saying. And yeah. I don't find it very funny. I think it's supposed <laughs> I, to be. I don't remember a lot of it to be honest, and so I think that goes to what you're saying. Uh, but the one part I did actually really like mm. was the Skinner part, uh, where he's like, you know, this, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I think it's a funny line too, where he's like, this school is canceled. And Skinner's like, oh, <laughs> you know, th- 20 years of service and this is how they tell me. I think there's only two jokes. It's that one. And then yeah. the other one is when they're driving down the street and Crest- and Krusty the Clown, like, you know, right. Homer's waving out of his window, like, I'm the crazy <laughs> clown. Uh, don't conform. And then Krusty the Clown is like walking a monkey on a unicycle and he's like, freaks. And he like smokes his cigarette. <laughs> right. And, yeah, yeah. and like that's like one joke, but in a yeah. huge segment. I think you're right. It's like it that segment really drags yeah. when they're going on this like road trip. Yeah. And it's a shame because there could be, it could be, fun. like, there could be so much more. He does talk to Marge and Marge is pretty funny, <laughs> just usually. Mm-hmm. And. I like that how embarrassed she is by by him. Uh, 
but it's it's like it's not like a laugh out loud funny stuff like the 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 funny stuff with marge is like when he calls her a narc yeah Yeah, it's like i would appreciate it if you did call me a narc (laughs) (laughs) i think is very funny and it's it's kind of interesting too because in the woodstock or woodstock in the hullabalooza episode He's called an Homer yeah. is called an narc yeah. and he hates it. Yeah. <laughs> but he almost like doesn't realize what what a narc he is in that moment. Um, you know, that fat Jamaican guy. <laughs> yeah. That fat Jamaican guy. <laughs> uh and I think again, like that episode wasn't a huge I w- I'm not a big fan of the Homer Palooza episode. Mm. Um and I think maybe that ties into it a bit is like I don't believe Homer would be uh this this boomer narc. He is more of a Gen X, like he would embrace the hippie culture more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that's why it works better in this episode for me. Uh, do we want to talk about uh, Homer's middle name? I, I was just thinking about how, what an excellent joke it is. <laughs> <laughs> how he's signing the form with uh, did Homer you, J. Did you, uh, did you see this episode before? Do you remember ever watching it before? Like when no, it aired no. I've, I've, you know, very, there are very few Simpsons episodes that I came across in like my my younger years <laughs> um and i just yeah younger this is and not, more vulnerable years yeah um <laughs> yes i was very vulnerable but in those times Sorry, that's the opening line to the great gatsby <laughs> is it great <laughs> I, in my younger and more vulnerable years my father gave uh, me a piece of advice that i've carried with me for i can't remember the rest but wow f scott over here <laughs> yeah I'll, i only remember that because uh andy kaufman in man on the moon played by jim carrey uh does that in an in a stage show He's like, if you all won't calm down, I'm just gonna, I, I'm, I'm gonna leave. And he starts reading The Great Gatsby from the beginning, and they're like, "Boo, do Latka or whatever." Latka is that his name? Yeah, yeah, do Latka. You know, they're like, "Do, do your bits." And he's like, he's like, "I'm giving you F. Scott Fitzgerald. Why aren't you enjoying this?" And he, he starts again, and people boo again, and it's great. It's like fucking. I love Andy Kaufman. It's anti-comedy, asshole-ish, ashholeness, asshole. You heard me. You know I mean ash hole and not ash hole, right? <laughs> That's um, anyway, sorry. Continue. No, 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 no. I just, yeah. Uh, so you never saw this uh, when you were ne- younger. Was this the first time you saw it that you can recall yep, at least? It's yeah. the first time I ever seen this episode specifically, uh, for sure. The, the thing I wanted to say is I remember the marketing for this episode hmm. because when The Simpsons was airing, they were the biggest show on TV. And I think it must have been around this time. Because I also we talked about this last episode too. Uh, they also had a, mar- uh, a marketing campaign, whatever it's commercials, uh, for the Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it must be around this time that they were their, their ratings were starting to dip a bit. Mm-hmm. Like that must be what's happening because I remember this season being way more like gimmicky, I guess, with with their marketing to like try to get people to tune in. Right. It was like something new every week. Yeah. And. I remember the marketing for this where it's like, uh, this week on The Simpsons, Homer finds out his middle name. And it's like this big thing where it's like, it's like, well, I, I never knew my middle name before and I'm going to find out. And it's like, it has nothing oh to do boy. with the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I remember when I watched it as a kid being really disappointed because I was like, why did they build this up for just a silly little joke of it being Jay? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a, a fine joke it contained in the episode. <laughs> but when you build it up as like, it's it's kind of similar, but not the same as Who Shot Mr. Burns. Um, where it's like, they build up this huge thing about like, we're going to find out. It's, gonna, it's a crazy mystery. And it's like, oh, it was an accident by the baby. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally, totally. Um, but it's that same kind of idea where it's like, if you build something up as, as, a, mar- as a marketing team, 
you need to pay off the level that you've built up, mm. you know? And that's how I feel about a lot of, uh, like, shitty movies and stuff, too, where sometimes they just market it poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. Like John uh, Wick. John Wick was marketed poorly, in my humble opinion. Well, yes, but in a good way for me. <laughs> Because I went into that movie just thinking, oh, this will be like a, a silly little B movie with Keanu Reeves, uh, and he hasn't really been popping lately. And then it turns out it was like the best movie. <laughs> it was his return to form and like right. an amazing uh, cinematic universe that they're creating. You know, like I was blown away by John Wick when I saw it and didn't expect to. So like that worked in in a different way with the marketing in right. terms of yes, I agree they didn't market it as what it was, but it worked better because because it was my so much better than its marketing. Yeah, and it exceeded by a mile they killed right. his dog they shouldn't have oh, done that man they shouldn't have done that <laughs> hey, hey you watch the movie you walk out going wow they really they shouldn't have, have done that in a way <laughs> is it's like the most honest marketing <laughs> it's true <laughs> yeah it's just brutally honest and you got wicked so we d- we all we all did get wicked both uh, of the taglines paid off wicked <laughs> uh john wick rules um yeah oh, i love that <laughs> can't wait for the fourth one seriously Hell yeah Lawrence Man. Fishburne back in action. Can you imagine if John Wick 4 and Matrix 4 came out the same year? They were going to. Really? Ooh. Yeah, they were supposed to. Before Aren't all this, they were going to come out, out this year? the same weekend. Oh. Double feature, baby. They were supposed to come out <laughs> Keanu May Keanu. 2021. You could have gone to Matrix 4 and then hopped on over to John Wick 4. In the same theater, in the wow. same room, with the same tub of popcorn. You would have gotten a second, but... I absolutely would have. Yep. I also... You could have done it. That's also my birth month, so that would have been even better. Yeah. I made it a whole birthday thing. Yeah, it was a. It was going to be a whole thing. We were all going to have fun. We were going to enjoy something, <laughs> and we can't now. And, and now it's all ruined. And look what you've done, <laughs> random bat in China. <laughs> How dare you, bat? <laughs> what a POS. Uh, the butterfly effect, you know? The butterfly effect, damn it. That's <laughs> yeah, not worth it. <laughs> that was great. I, I it. loved it. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else so, is there? So Homer, Homer's middle name. All I wanted to say was... Yeah. Uh, Homer's middle name is Jay. It's revealed to be Jay, J-A-Y. Yes. Uh, good joke, because great he's joke. always been Homer J. Simpson. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Bart J. Simpson as well. Mm-hmm. And the reason that Matt Grading called them this is because he was a fan of Rocky and Bullwinkle, and both Rocky and Bullwinkle are... Rocky, Jay Squirrel, and Bullwinkle, Jay Moose. Wow. So he was like, and it was just, uh, I think because that was because the creator Rocky and Bullwinkle are J, is Jay something. Uh, so or there's some some tie into someone named Jay, and that's why they did it as an homage. It's really funny. It's great. <laughs> Jay is a very good middle name initial. Yeah. It works for anybody. Yeah. Greg J. Wilson. Yeah. Mike J. Rolf. Alan <laughs> J. Johnson. Well. You're selling me on it. No, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Alan J. Johnson. Alan J. Johnson. There you go. Yeah. Mm. Um, Ray J. I've Johnson. I've just doxed us all. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, if you don't know, if you didn't know either Greg and I's full name by now. <laughs> it's weird. It'd be weird if this was the, the straw that broke the camel's back yeah. and, uh, you know, we get uh, raided or something. It's, it's like, <laughs> nobody cares. It's, nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's, you, it's not like you're Dodson or anything. <laughs> Uh, Dodson. I love him. They should bring him back in the in one of the JP movies. His hat, by the way. His hat, by the way. What are you trying to be, a secret agent? <laughs> Don't 
get cheap on me, Dodson. Um, yeah, if they, if the, if like Dodson showed up in Jurassic oh Park God. Fallen Kingdom, it's I would have been like, hell yes. It's the same as ten BD out of ten. Wong. It's the exact same thing as bringing BD Wong in. I know. Well, that's the thing. So, like, in Jurassic World, when BD Wong showed up, I'm like, hell yeah, hell yeah. And then he's like a villain now with a turtleneck. I'm also, like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> it's one of the. He was such a nice lab tech. It's one of the best parts of that movie. Agree, yeah. It's like, yeah, BD Wong. Dodson could, should be back. Yeah, bring Dodson back. Bring Come Dodson on. Back. Like, he could have played, and he could have easily actor. played uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's role. Yeah. That would have been. That would have made sense. Dodson. <laughs> <laughs> I got to look up who this actor is and see if he's done anything else. Uh, oh, his name, Cameron Thor. Hey, oh, nice. my. Hey, Cameron Thor. Uh, oh, no. Oh, oh. guys. Oh. oh, why did I do this? Why oh. did you just oh. figure out? Is he in jail? Everything. Yeah, everything's. Uh, why is he in the jail? The world is garbage. Ugh. Pornography? Cameron, Cameron Thor is an American actor, screenwriter, film director, acting coach, and convicted sex offender. There it is. Uh, well. <sighs> in 2016, he was sentenced to six years in prison for sexually assaulting a 13-year-old girl. Fuck Dodson. Fuck you forever. Don't bring him back. I hate Dodson now. God damn it. I hate the world. Stop doing bad things, everybody. Agreed. Agreed. I still love that scene. I, I hate mean, Dodson. Scene, that scene rules. <laughs> And you know what? My headcanon now is uh, Dodson was killed on the way back to his home planet. Yeah. <laughs> Dodson's dead! <laughs> Yay! And we have a sworn affidavit saying he will never return. Never, ever return. Now they now it seems like a prescient move. Uh, yeah, in, in retrospect. Uh, man, you know what? I was so excited. Recast and Dodson so sad and bring quick. him back that way. I mean, yeah, recast Dodson yeah. Um, is obviously the right choice. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, See that Gia Carano thing? Don't meet your heroes, oh, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't look up your heroes on Wikipedia. That was wild that that just happened real time. Yeah. I have to say. I was like, you know what? I've never looked into the actor of Dodson, and I love that character. Let's look it oh, up. Bad choice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. But you know what you can have instead? You can have Kittredge in the next Mission Impossible. Hell How about yes. that? Yeah, I Eugene Kittredge. Yeah, that guy rocks. And Kittredge, you haven't seen me upset. And he's not a sex offender. Google it right now. <laughs> I was like, I'm afraid to look now. Make sure. Uh, Wait, do you not know? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It. But okay. he's. I don't think he is. I no, just think he's Henry like. Henry Zerny? A, no. He's, no, yeah, he's, he's just like a nice Canadian guy who apparently, I at least at one point in my life, looked a lot alike. Enough so that someone <laughs> took a photo of my face. Oh, yeah. It. I can see that. Yeah. It's the the blue eyes. I mean, if we ever yeah, do a uh, Mission Impossible fan movie, which I, you know, it, in production. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Studios you'll play Kittredge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll play... All uh, right, Hunt. Enough is enough. <laughs> you want to shake hands with the devil? That's fine with me. I just want to make sure that you do it in hell. <laughs> oh, I love it. Gum! <laughs> uh, Greg, of course, will play... Uh, uh, fuck, I can't remember his name. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, Owen Davy. Owen Davy. Owen Davy. Owen Davy? Where's the Davian. rabbit's foot? Davian. Yes, thank you. Davian, that's the name. Are you Simon Pegg? I, oh, I could be Simon Pegg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I could do. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't uh, uh, you're Pegg or Baldwin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could do Baldwin. Yeah, Baldwin's good. Ethan Hunt is the physical manifestation of destiny. And he has Whoa. made you his mission. Who? <laughs> Mission Impossible rules. I love that series. So hard. I'm so excited for the next five. Yeah. 
however many they think I need is uh, how many yeah, I need. Exactly the amount. Yeah. Yeah. We're the ones that he's capable of still doing the stunts because that's his favorite part about it, right? I mean, until, he dies, until he dies. Apparently he's going to space. So. Yeah. Until he is dies, he which he yeah. will inevitably do. Doing as far stunt. as I'm aware, the plan is still to film uh, seven and eight because they did six, right? Yeah, that was yeah. Fallout. Uh, seven and eight, back to back, and uh, in one of them, Ethan Hunt's in space. Although, uh, and Tom Cruise is actually physically going to go. I, I don't think That's it's insane. those movies. I no? don't think it's, you think it's something else. I oh. think it's something else. I think because I heard that it's Doug Liman, mm. who's oh, well, who's direct, sense, directing then, yeah. him in space. Yeah, which how? which, which means, is the Edge of Tomorrow uh, director. Yeah, right? yeah, which means he might die. How how will you do that? Seriously, I'm super worried about. I mean, people go to space all the time. It's true. Yeah, but they're doctors and scientists of a PhD, (laughs) multiple PhDs, Uh, and oil drillers. Also, yeah, don't forget (laughs) the oil riggers that they set up there because they're the best drillers on the planet. You know what? In case an asteroid inside of an asteroid, I could and plant a bomb (laughs) just to hear you, Steve Buscemi. He's got, spa- he's got space dementia. He does. That's what is we that all need to remember. Who, that happens to Buscemi? Yeah, that's a line that William Fickner, celebrated actor, says right. in I Armageddon. I, I was conflating. I thought it was Fickner who had the dementia and Buscemi no. who said the... Buscemi has space dementia. Has. Fickner says it, and then he gets a gun, and uh, what's-his-face is like, why do you have a gun in space? What's that guy's name? Michael Clark Will- Duncan. No, Michael Clark. <laughs> uh, Will Patton, I believe. Will, Will pa- of yeah. course, it's Will Patton. <laughs> Will Patton. Why do you have a gun in space? <laughs> and then he like uh, you know, intense scene happens. Lots of Dutch angles, and then there's uh, a movie that I'm going to watch soon that stars Will Patton. It's called The Postman. Oh boy, have you ever seen The Postman? No, I don't want to see The Postman. You're welcome to watch it with me. <laughs> God. Would you like to guess the runtime of The Postman? I mean, I feel like I know it's Kevin very Costner's long. The Postman. I like I know it's long, but uh-huh. uh, let's say a hun- let's say 180 minutes. 181. Very hey, good. Very good. <laughs> Look at that. So I was like, what's the what's the amount of time that usually makes me go ooh <laughs> <laughs> when I see the runtime before I start a movie? Ooh. It's 180. I'm like, oh, come on, really three three of the hours. Yeah, three of your human hours. You can do two, and you'll be fine. <laughs> three full acts. <laughs> With popcorn breaks in between. Um, this is fun. Mm. But Thank let's get you. back I'm on glad. track. But yeah, let's. <laughs> I'm glad you think it is. Waterworld's another good oh one. <laughs> you know what? To bring it back to the episode, truly though, uh-huh. like the two guest stars that were on That's it as side as side characters. Yeah. You know that I I do remember very clearly sitting and being like, man, I love that guy's voice. Like I love. One of them specifically. George Carlin. Um, yeah. That's, that's was, who you love. That's yeah. who I loved. And I was like, oh, I recognize that voice. And it was George. And in that moment, I was like, oh, wait, this guy is actually perfect for the role he's playing right now because he is anti-establishment. He's anti lots of things, but he's anti-establishment, <laughs> anti-religion, anti-conformist. And, you know, he's he's he is in a sense a hippie. Yeah. And, Anti-what? Living. <laughs> Get out. He's dead. He would have liked, liked that joke. <laughs> he would have liked that joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so let's talk the guest house. We have uh, George Carlin as Munchie and Martin Mull as Seth. So who's Martin Mull? Help me out. Martin Mull. Oh, boy. Martin Mull. Did you watch Arrested Development? Yes. Uh, in Arrested Development, he is Gene Parmesan. <laughs> the private eye. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I, I did not know that. I and, love and, that. Well, and so here's where I'm going to tie it in because uh, one he's of my the favorite. one who's like always leave a note. That no, that's uh, that's Jay Walter Weatherman. Gene uh, uh, Parmesan is the one who's a private eye who often has really bad disguises. But, okay, yeah. But uh, Lucille always 
doesn't realize it's him sure. until he goes, Gene Parmesan, how you doing? She goes, ah, Gene. Um, <laughs> great role for him. I love it. But his most famous role, I would say, is probably Colonel Mustard in Clue. Totally. Um, that's him? That is him. That's great. And so here's a real fun trivia fact that I just love that I'm going to share because we're talking Martin Mull. So he plays Mustard in Clue. He plays Parmesan in Arrest Development. In Arrest Development, there's a scene where Joe Bluth is like, we have nothing in the fridge, so I'm going to make some lunch. And he makes a, a meal out of mustard and Parmesan and eats it. And that's the weird little subtle tie-in joke about that whole thing is they're just doing like a little reference to Martin Mull as an actor. Uh, I love that. In, and then little side <laughs> side trivia, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2014 or whatever it is, the, the Michael Bay produced remake, uh, Will Arnett is a character in that uh, in that movie. And at, at one point in the Does movie- Does he use the alias? Does he use an alias in that movie? I'm sorry. Sorry. Will Arnett? Or- <laughs> Go, keep going. Keep just going. Keep Sorry. going. It's just it's literally just there's a scene that I remember because I saw this movie in theaters because we did it for Cinepals. Uh, uh, I remember where he's making a sandwich out of mustard and parmesan, and it's a callback to his character from Arrest Development, which is a callback to Martin Mull, the actor. It's this weird web, but I find it hilarious. Um, it's great. <laughs> is it his character? Sorry, uh, is it is it Job who makes the? In, in Arrest Development, it is. It is? Yeah. Oh, that's So it's, fun. he's one who makes it initial. There's actually several scenes. Po- it's in season four. Uh, he makes one. It's and in then, season four? Yeah, they don't, they don't do it until season four, which so I, th- I thought was earlier. But. They don't do it in the real show. No. They do it in the next Netflix version. Yeah. <sighs> wow, I, I never watched the Netflix version. <laughs> ah, me neither. Uh, well, here's David, the thing. David I, Cross eats, a, eats a, the, the Parmesan mustard combo at one point as well. <laughs> right. But Job is the one who does it the first time. Right. Yeah. You mean Gob? Yeah, Gob Bluth. <laughs> Yeah, I watched Job. the first. I, I think I've watched like the first half of season four twice because it was like so was long. The, was this the the original air or the remix that they did? The original air. Okay. Uh, and when I watched, it, I was like, "This is kind of bad." Never watched the remix. I recommend the remix. I I've watched the remix twice now. I've only watched the original once, and I that's why it's also hard for me to remember in what order things happen in the original airing. Like, but I think the what? remix just makes it a lot more feel a lot more like the original show what the hell is the remix anyway it's just so quick tangent when they were making (laughs) season four they couldn't get all the actors together uh because they all were not all of them but a bunch of them were movie stars now so they were like you know we can't get jason bateman and will arnett in the same room uh because the schedules are all out of whack so here's what we'll do we'll do character specific episodes so episode one is like all about michael episode two is all about Lindsay. You know, so on and so forth. And then there's some overlaps here and there, but it's not a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what they did with the remix is they, uh, it's also all out of uh, um, continuity. So, like, you know, you'll see Michael's whole journey in one episode. Uh, I mean, he, he does a couple episodes. But anyway, uh, basically, it all culminates on uh, Quattro de Cinco or whatever, the like the <laughs> holiday on the pier. And, um, and, Quattro, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and what they do with the remix is they they make it all continuity based and so because of that in like episode one for example there's bits and pieces from all of the characters mm-hmm. storylines happening it's like a show yeah <laughs> <laughs> but because the original air was such a like the the show was such an ensemble show 
and like the characters bouncing off each other is what made the show really enjoyable. Yeah, uh, that's what was missing from season four initially, and so and they realized that, and they're like, okay, let's go back and edit the show to a different. Uh, show essentially but make it more like the classic episodes there's still a lot of things missing like a lot of the the you know the banter between the characters and whatnot is not there because they have to introduce new characters that uh you know michael sarah's interacting with because he couldn't be in the same room as as other people that kind of thing so there's like fun new characters too and i think are really funny um like uh oh fuck what's her name um comedian lady I'm the worst. Uh, anyway, Kristen she, Shaw, Amy <laughs> Schumer. No. I don't fucking know. What the, I don't know. <laughs> she had her own show, Lady Dynamite. Um, fuck, why can't I remember her name? <laughs> I love her. She's a great comedian. Anyway, she she is uh, uh, Tobias's like new kind of uh, paramour, um, and she's addicted to meth. I know oh, who you're um, talking about. <laughs> oh no, yeah. she's very funny. Um, you can look it up for me because as soon as you say it, I'll be like I'm a dumb dumb for forgetting. I uh, will find it. Anyway, uh, but. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's really enjoyable. I've watched, like I said, I've watched the remix twice now, and I've enjoyed it way more. What than a what a concession to make, uh, you know? Like uh, Maria so Bamford, Maria Bamford. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. So far after the fact, like, because it was years after. Oh yeah, season four came out that they did the remix. I remember that. Yeah, I think they. I, I can't remember exact timeline, but it they might have done the remix before season five came out as like a promotion. Yeah, for, right. for Season five. Right. Uh, I still haven't finished season five. <laughs> it's a it's a really big concession. It's, it's though. not great. No, I don't like season five. No. Woof. Well, what is left to say about this episode and the guests? Well, we were going to talk about the guests, and then I went on a long tangent. About <laughs> then Martin let's Mull. talk about the other one. <laughs> let's talk about yeah, Martin Mull. I, I think is a very funny guy. I think he's he's great. And uh, the only thing I'd say about him in this episode is he's not a great voice performer. Nope. <sighs> like his his. Yeah. his uh, his physical, and I've said this about some other past uh, celebrity guests they've had, where like the thing I enjoy about this particular actor is more their physical uh, demeanor, if that makes sense, uh, along with their voice and their and their attitude. I don't know. Uh, the whole just the voice, yeah, just the voice doesn't work too well for me for Martin Mull. Uh, whereas George Carlin, great voice, yeah, you know, like yeah. so. And I think that's what you were saying too, Mike. Uh, how. Like that, yeah. You picked up on that very quickly. Like, I like this voice. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much so for George Carlin right away. But yeah, the other guy, like, although you're right, Martin, like, I, I recognize from his movies, especially Clue. Like, yeah. now that you mention it, um, just yeah, there's just nothing. Uh, he was on Sabrina too, the Teenage Witch. Oh, really? Like the original, you mean? Yeah, with uh, Calista Flocker. I think he was like uh, a, a romantic interest to Aunt Zelda or something. Cool. Wait, Calista Flockhart was on. Did is that what I said? <laughs> yes, you did. You said that with your mouth. I thought she was Allie McBeal. Is she Allie McBeal? She is. Yeah. <laughs> My brain's broken. <laughs> you know, it's um, Melissa Joan Hart that's is the one. Sabrina, and yeah. she plays Clarissa in a different show. Sure. So for some reason, that's... Again, I'm solving the Again, puzzles of my it. brain. I got it's where you on air. It's yeah. a suck. Yeah. You know, it's suck, Clarissa, Sabrina. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why that happened. Weird. Anyway, Martin Mull's on Sabrina, I'm pretty Great. sure. <laughs> George Carlin. Did you guys like George Carlin? Loved like, him as a comedian. Yeah. Loved him. I uh, I didn't. Uh, I did not as a, like person <laughs> growing up. Like I, he his his comedy felt too uh, 
too real for me. Like too raunchy for you, narc. No, <laughs> no, because I loved Robin Williams, and that yeah, guy yeah. was really raunchy. Oh, yeah, he was raunchy yeah. Um, and but I, I always felt that like the groundedness of which George Carlin delivered his material always made me feel sad, oh. not happy, not not like laughable. Very, right. Very much like oh, this hits the pits of my humanity. Um, but then he does something like this, and I love it. Like I just love listening to his voice and that sort of like rasp and that that I don't know. He has this amazing tone of voice. I feel like I knew Carlin as an actor before a comedian. Which is strange, but also strange. Bill and Ted and Dogma. Well, oh, I didn't Dogma, see Bill yeah. and Ted. It was Dogma and uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, like I, I literally remember seeing Jane, Sol- Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back, which is essentially like this big, you know, callback to the, the, the View Askew universe um, that Kevin <laughs> Smith created. And uh, when George Carlin pops up as a, uh, like, uh, road road guy. What's the word? A hitchhiker? Uh, <laughs> holy shit. Holy Guys, hell. I told you, my brain is broken. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> this is a cry for help. I am going to call the ambulance. Uh, thank I'm you. just going to call um, it. No, but yeah, he shows up as a hitchhiker and I'm like, oh, it's the guy from Dogma. <laughs> like, that's my, that was my reaction as right. a kid. Right. Not, you know, that's George Carlin, famous comedian. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. He's one of the most influential comedians of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely does a lot uh, with the form of comedy that people have uh, innovated and extrapolated from to get to where we are today. Because there's like there's still those comedians who are out there and they're just gonna they're gonna make you laugh. But most comedians today aren't really even comedians anymore. They're just people who are saying. Fuck, this sucks. Yeah, they're like societal critics. They just see all the problems with society and, 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 and that's, put a spin on it. That's where George Carlin made his bread and butter, really. Totally. Absolutely. He pointed he out the absurdities of society, usually very quickly, and in think about it and you'll miss it wordplay. And he would oftentimes go off on these incredibly well-written jokes where he would have... Uh, a run of uh, of words that you would think were stream of consciousness, but then you would realize were actually really well thought out and 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 written to mm-hmm. um, illustrate a point, and it would it would just land in a way that either would make your like make you feel it in your soul, yeah, or you could just laugh at the wordplay, or both. Chances are both. Yeah, uh, because he was very, very good at what he did. He was also one of the most ubiquitous comedians of all time. Mm. He had, well, I mean, before his um, inevitable fall, Louis C.K. went on record saying that his work ethic was what he modeled his own career yeah. after. Because he, you'd create a, a, a set, and then an hour throw, long, yeah, set. an hour long set. You throw all that once it's done. And record it or whatever, you throw all that away and then you completely start from the ground up. Holy. Because a lot a lot of comedians, uh, at least at least before that, I would say I would say these days most comedians kind of follow a similar path. Uh, but before that it would be like you'd get, you know, a bunch of material and anytime you'd tour, you'd bring you'd bust out, you know, the great the great uh acts and the great sets and, totally yeah, yeah. and everyone has their favorite from like each set right like yeah. uh, that was like that was, actually that was uh jerry seinfeld's thing too right. where uh he did that special i'm telling you for the last time where the whole point was all this material that i've done throughout my career up to and including all of seinfeld i'm now finished retiring moving on yeah that's really cool that's a big move 
which like because before that he would just yeah like even during Seinfeld if he would go on tour he would just say a lot of the like he'd choose whichever bits he wanted to do and you, so you'd go see him in like a concert you'd be like oh I hope he does the blank bit you know like yeah yeah it's um Robin Williams is a very similar one with that he doesn't have many recorded extant specials uh as it were like he did one like his his most famous one i think is like he's got two generational ones he's got the live at the met that's from right. from the 80s and he's got live on broadway from like 2002 2002 from the, yeah from the odds and then he has weapons of mass weapons of mass destruction i yeah. uh uh i don't even consider uh another one because it's it's so much repurposed from both the met Ooh. and live on broadway a thousand percent and that's an example that i'm that I'm leaning towards right yeah. now is that he never really retired bits. Right. Nah. He would just go back to them uh, because, well, like a lot of them were just him, like were just freeform improv freeforming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like a lot of the time when you do improvisation, you're going to go back and just do things that you know worked yeah. to get you to the next thing while you're thinking of the next thing. And like his brain was so um, high energy and high octane that he would have to do that. But there's this one uh, special that if you can find it, um, it's one he would, he did either while he was doing Mork and Mindy or just finished it. And uh, it's a, it's a 25, 20 minute improvised set that he just, goes on and does one night and he he comes on does a few things that you might recognize and then he's like can i get something topical in the news to do uh oh i think i've seen that an improvised an improvised performance for you tonight and i think it's kind of genius that's insane yeah and george carlin is to go back on track is quite literally the opposite of that where all of his stuff is so very well thought out and very well written that he can be not just a comedian, but a social critic and a, and a satirist on stage as well. And those are very difficult things to do because to do good satire, you need to write it and yeah. think about it. Yeah. Well thought out. Yeah. Um, I, just a small thing I just wanted to mention is I remember that live on Broadway Robin Williams DVD because mm-hmm. it was one of the ones that my dad got a DVD player in 2001 or whatever and so that was one of the DVDs he bought when it came out wow. so I remember watching it and loving it but also that was the moment I realized again I was a dumb little kid in the 90s that was the moment I realized oh Robin Williams is a stand-up comedian because <laughs> well, before that I just he's not the man from actor. Jumanji yeah, same, same with Carlin you know where I'm like I'm right. like I, I watch movies more than I ever watched stand-up totally because totally. also stand-up wasn't as uh, easily accessible back then for someone who didn't go see it live right right uh, so like if you didn't live in New York or LA, you're not going to go see famous comedians do stand up or Montreal no. <laughs> <laughs> just for laughs, just for laughs, um, gags. Well, and that's I guess that's that's actually <laughs> a, a good point because my knowledge of stand up was mostly from the just for laughs stuff yeah, that right. they would air in Canadian TV. Yeah, uh, and every so often there'd be like a, a famous comedian, but for the most part, it was a bunch of people just trying. Yeah, totally. And trying hard, not doing great. Nope. I try hard um, though. 
But yeah, so I was like, wow, Rob Williams is really funny when he's doing stand-up. That's great. And then, yeah, yeah you know, that yeah. spiraled into learning that, oh, that's what he did before he became an actor. And totally. that's a normal thing that a lot of people did, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But everyone has their own jumping off point, too. Like, everyone has their own frame of reference. Like, obviously, for you, that was, like, some movie that you saw him in, and you're like, hey, he's a, he's a comedian well, a bunch as well. Of, I mean, the 90s were yeah. huge for him. Like, I, I, I was such a Robin Williams fan throughout the 90s. Because, like, yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire, Hook. um, yeah, Aladdin, uh, Aladdin, of course. Goodwill Hunting, Goodwill Hunting. Oh my God, RV, Dead Poets Society. Well, stop. Now you're getting outside. Of, Old dogs. That's like 2006. Uh, well, that's like that's like 2010. He's not in that, is he? Old dogs, he is. He is. Yeah. My bad. He gets he he gets really bad plastic surgery or or a tan or something. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, I think John Travolta gets the bad plastic oh, surgery. What about the bird cage? Smile. The bird cage. The bird, bird cage. cage. Great. The Fisher yeah. King is Fisher 90s. Um, one hour photo. But... No. No, nope. photos two thousand one or two thousand three or some shit. All right, Insomnia on one hour photo. Those are the oh bicentennial man. I know you love bicentennial man. <laughs> I've never seen that. Nineteen ninety nine. Why? why bicentennial man. Alan loves this movie. Right. <laughs> if anyone wants to send Alan a Blu-ray of Bicentennial Man, <laughs> his address <laughs> is. <sighs> uh, maybe it was Bicurious Man. Then I'd be in. Um, oh, I just thought of a good joke for Bicentennial Man. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Alan likes Bicentennial Man so much because he's as old as Alan is. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Shouldn't have let you do that. Uh, <laughs> um, good morning, Vietnam. Reference desk. So... Uh, the title, Doin' in the Wind, is a reference to the Bob Dylan song, Blowin' in the Wind. What? How's that one go again? Uh, the answer, my there friend, is, is blowin' in the wind. So this is something I was thinking about today and couldn't remember how the song went. All I could think was, Dust in the Wind. Oh and I could, you know, I, you know, when you get that, and you're like, I can't wind. think of the other song because I can only think of the tune of that song. Right, I know. And the solution, obviously, was to just look up the song, <laughs> Blowin' in the Wind. But I wanted to hear Greg's in it. <laughs> Uh, the opening has, or the, the movie that they do has an Alan Smithy project, which is of course a reference to the pseudonym often used by directors when they don't want to put their real name on a project. Mm. Uh, notable examples, Greg. David Lynch's director's cut, quote unquote, of Dune. Nice. Mm. I knew you'd have one in the back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> really? I did not. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he didn't, like, because it's not technically the director's cut, it's a TV edit, and they added almost an hour's worth of footage that he didn't want added, because it makes Dune more confusing. Oh, so he took no. his name off of it and uh, call it an Alan Smithy film. By <laughs> nice. the way, the, the hour removed makes the movie more confusing. The hour put in makes less confusing. David Lynch wanted his movie to be confusing. Ah, classic David Lynch. And weird, and it is. The three-hour version is as well. It's worse. It's a much worse huh. movie. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve's movie, though, probably be pretty good. Yeah, well, I maybe. I hope so. Was I don't know. Timothy yeah. I know very little about Dune. I'm not a big Dune stan, but I'm just a Denis Villeneuve stan. So I'm very excited for that movie. It's for your that favorite reason. house, huh? It's your favorite house. What's my favorite house? Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> house Noble, of Bordeaux. No, house of Noble House of Dune. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't even know that existed. Harkonnen. I've never seen it or read it. <laughs> I just want to see Denis Villeneuve's work. What's the Padishah Emperor? Shaddam. Sure. <laughs> this all this all sounds like gibberish to me. Shaddam right now. the I Fourth. Don't... 
It's like when Ife hears things about uh, Harry Potter. He's like, it sounds like gar- gar- gobbledygook. Because <laughs> you don't know the world, it sounds like random shit. Yeah, so is anything Ife, Ife, Ife says about anything fucking medical. <laughs> I don't know any fucking shit about that. <laughs> but I do believe that it's real. Yeah. That's what, I, in fact, Ife, I know you're listening. Uh, one thing I'd love for you to do more in your life is just use medical terms in casual conversation for like things yeah. that we, you know, so instead of uh, say, oh, yeah, you know, th- that guy had a heart attack. You can say, oh, that guy had a whatever infarcture. Yeah, yeah, cardiac, something infarcture. Infarcture. It's, that's what it is. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, I mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. That's the whole J thing. Uh, we got Woodstock and Jimi Hendrix, him playing the... Uh, uh, the National Anthem. National, na- na- national Anthem. Um, <laughs> Homer, uh, or sorry, Homer's dad references Shanana, which I believe was a 50s band, and then holds up a sign saying Bowser for president. Bowser from Shanana. Thank you. It's not, Bow- not, as I assumed as a kid, not Bowser from Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very confused at that reference when I was a kid, uh, but yes, John Bowser Bauman was one of the many members of Shanana. Yeah, sure, there's a lot sure, of sure, members sure, of Shanana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got Bob Hope and Phyllis Diller make an appearance. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the dog is named Ginsburg after Allen Ginsburg, most likely, yeah. a, you know, famous count- counterculture poet or spoken word artist, whatever. Beat poet. Beat poet, sure. Uh, you got Peter Fonda rolling in his grave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Before Captain America. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, that's his character's name in Easy Rider. Oh, gotcha. I was like, did he play an early version of Captain <laughs> America in some movie? In a way. Yeah. <laughs> in a satirist way. Um, you got the song Incense and Peppermints by Strawberry Alarm Clock. Got some good got some good tunes in this episode. Some good needle drops. Uh, including Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. I love that song. Uh, you got <laughs> you got the the song Hair from Hair, yeah. as well as a reference to Good Morning Starshine, which Homer says later. Uh, all refer- all hair. Good morning, Starshine, and you. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Homer's wearing a cat in the hat hat yeah. yep. when they're going around town. Uh, the Harlem Globetrotters are referenced. Uh, you got Time of the Season by the Zombies, which is a track I love. It's the time of the season for loving. For loving. Uh, uh, Barney, right? Uh, he's a pink elephant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Dumbo, specifically. Um, Pinky's like the always animation looking out style for is very much like Dumbo. Yeah. Um, which, uh, I don't know if you, did you watch Dumbo? You ever seen Dumbo? Yeah, as a kid, I'm sure I watched it. Yeah. Um, just, just go on YouTube and watch the Pink Elephants on Parade sequence. It's one of the trippiest, weirdest oh, shit Disney's ever done, and I totally. love it. Totally, and I, and I, I very much it. remember, it's like, they're in, like, bubble shape, right? Kind of. They're, they they're, start they that They have way. the sheen, and, and then, yeah, they morph. It, and, it, yeah, it changes yeah, into crazy, where there's, like, an elephant, uh, like, physical elephant man oh. made out of all elephant heads marching towards the camera. And the song's like, what'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view. Oh, my. It's, um, the song rules. I love that so much. It's 64 minutes long. The, wait. D- the, mo- <laughs> the movie Dumbo. The movie, not, the, not the segment Pink Elephants. <laughs> like, that's why my eyes got big. I was like, whoa. I just think um, it's funny. Yeah, no, it's a short movie. <laughs> that's fair. That's so short. Uh, what else do we got? We got the Pink Floyd, the Wall Hammers. Marching across the street, quickly morphs into the Rolling Stones' lips. Mm-hmm. All, you know, hippie stuff, really. <laughs> uh, at least in some way. And then uh, Jasper and Grandpa are laughing like Beavis and Butthead. 
<laughs> they sure are. Because they're high. Yeah. And they're old. We yeah. are so old. We're so We're old. So old. Uh, and then, you know, that's... We, we mentioned it. There's reefer madness elements throughout, but I don't think necessarily intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just the idea that, you know, getting high will just make you laugh a lot. Uh, and the um, yeah. the flower in the gun, the flower in the is gun. the reference to the march on the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That I don't know anything about that. I deferred to Greg for this part of the reference test. The photograph of the hippie placing the flower in the barrel of an M4 carbine is the uh, winner of the Pulitzer Prize in 1970. Mm. Wait, what? Yeah, the, the picture the, of the flower. Oh, the, pi- oh, the picture. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You win a Pulitzer just for a picture? Sure, why not? <laughs> I should try it for a Pulitzer. You should. <laughs> just to start submitting any photo I Make take. Make sure it's black and white. <laughs> like One of these days, I'm going to get a Pulitzer for some random party photo or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's the those are the references. Great. And Good White work. Rabbit. Um oh yeah, uh, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane does play at one point as well. Yep. I it has to. I, there was so I, I mentioned this as we were watching, but like especially the drug trip part, I I, I, I take notes references. as we as we watch the episode for mm-hmm. the references that I recognize and then I kind of research afterwards if I missed any. Mm-hmm. Um but like there was a time where I was just like I can't keep up with this. Like I have to write down a, ne- a reference every 2 seconds. So I probably yeah I remember now yeah. White Rabbit was in there and I just probably missed it writing it down. Great song though. Love yes. that song. Yeah, White Rabbit's great. Yep. Um, one pill makes you larger. One and one pill makes, makes you small. You small. Yeah. One, the one pill. That one pill that one, the one that mother gives you. Oh, they, that that doesn't do that doesn't do anything at all. And one <laughs> pill. Listen, Greg. Go tell Alice. Red pill. <laughs> when you're two feet small. <laughs> Trying to bring it back to the Wachowskis <laughs> at the beginning. Um, I mean, White Rabbit. I'll show you on how the deep Matrix. the rabbit hole goes. Follow it. What's your favorite joke? Oh, uh, I have an honorable mention to the I'll just go shoot myself for <laughs> bringing this up. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. Very just funny. the way he says it is very like, oh, great. I'll go shoot myself for bringing this up. It's yeah. like, that's the kind of sarcastic Gen X attitude I expect from Homer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, I really liked the uh, the 60s ended that day, uh, <laughs> December 31st, 1969. Yeah. That's um, a good, that's that's a good bit. Yeah. 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 Mike, you got one? Uh, I have. I mean, I really like that. Uh, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll go shoot myself. Um, but I agree that that's an honorable mention because my two favorite jokes of the whole thing actually uh, is the credit weird cutaway <laughs> where the doctor's like, uh, "What do I look like a gardener?" And he's like, "Well, can I turn the leaves?" Um, so what I can I watch TV. Say? What I just say, <laughs> like the seriousness of the what I just say, is 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 really really yeah. good. Which you don't expect from Hibbert often. So <laughs> no, no, and that's it because he's so smiley, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the other joke I really really love is after you know they come back from their road trip and they've you know they they open the barn doors and they see that the frisbees like wrecked their their whole shipment or whatever, and he goes out. And Homer's so mad, he throws the Frisbee. <laughs> and against all physics and all odds, it comes straight back and goes straight into the barn again. They're like, oh, damn. Um, and I just, very funny. I love bits like that. I love bits where, um, you know. Your Frisbee tin is boomeranged on us. <laughs> it's just it's just great. I love I love bits that go against uh, what you expect. Yeah. Great. Yeah, great. mine was the boomeranging Frisbee. There you go. Yeah. That was, that was my favorite bit. Um MVP? Uh, it's Homer. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, 
Homer. Yeah, I like I like that he it feels very in character, and I like the third act that he's trying to do right by these people. Yeah. He's not, you know, because he so easily, especially post season eight and a lot of season eight too, uh, could be like, I I don't care. Like, yeah, th- those guys mean nothing to me. It's true. It's this his attitude with a lot of people, yeah. and I like that he's yeah. like, "No, I'm going to try and That's make." Why he calls right. so many people suckers? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> or jerk ass. Yeah, get out of the way, jerk ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, great, great, great. We did it. We did it. Uh, thanks. Don't, we're don't in the wind. Thanks so much, Mike, for uh, agreeing to be on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Um, we uh, all three of us have a heart out, so we're gonna do that right now. Right now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you to Mike for joining us. Uh, thank you to Greg for doing all the things you do with this podcast. You're welcome. Uh, thank you to me for having a normal brain that isn't weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to all of our listeners especially thanks to all of our patrons uh we uh we could definitely do this without you but we would rather not uh so <laughs> uh, so you make it all worth it is what i'm trying to say <laughs> um but uh you can find us on facebook instagram or twitter at bad neighbors pod or two bad neighbors of simpsons podcast uh you can email us at the hammock district on third at gmail.com numerical three and you can subscribe to our patreon as mentioned uh two bucks a month gets you all our bonus content including our commentaries our zombie years episodes our games that we play sometimes uh coming up next uh, this month is our commentary on attack of the clones that's right <gasps> my with, favorite uh, star wars with movie Greg's sister yeah making a return to the pod in the behind the paywall yeah great yay uh thank you everybody uh, once again and next week we'll be seeing what happens when lisa gets an a what could that mean? You'll have to tune in to find out. Uh, that's it, though. Keep watching the skis! <laughs> <laughs>